Well, thank you, Brother Terry. What a message in that song. If you brought your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. And then in a few minutes, we'll look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll look at verses 19 through 25. I'm going to be sharing with you a sermon this morning that I've simply entitled, Going Forward in Faith in Our Worship. Going Forward in Faith in Our Worship. I appreciate uh, songs on worship this morning. I appreciate Brother Terry sharing that song uh, about, uh, about faith and about our responsibility and what God says that he'll do if we'll just continue to praise him, worship him, and keep the faith, he'll, he'll do the miracles. And so uh, going forward in faith in our worship. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he's faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, insomuch the more as you see the day approaching. Going forward in faith in our worship. This past Sunday, I introduced to you a challenge that I received in my spirit from God's spirit to us individually and as a faith family. I feel with all of my heart that, that God spoke to me and gave us a challenge individually and as a church. You know, you share with people about how God... God spoke to me, and, and I'm asked from time to time, well, was that an audible voice? People want to know that. Was that an, an audible voice? Let me just say this. It was louder than that. When God speaks to you, you'll know it's God. It'll be louder than an audible voice. As God is speaking, perhaps, to some of you this morning, decisions you need to make. You know it's God. There's no doubt about it. There's no question about it. You know God's speaking to you. And so God brought this challenge to me and to us individually and then to us as a church. And it was the same challenge that he gave to Moses and the children of Israel when they came to the water's edge of the Red Sea. He told Moses in Exodus 14 verse 15, Tell the people to go forward. Tell the people to go forward. Because you see, God had a special plan for his people. He had a plan. He had a, a purpose. Not to harm them, 
and not to hurt them, but his plan was to protect them. His plan was to bless them. His plan was to use them to be a blessing to other people. The same promise to them that he made the covenant to Abraham. He was making it with his people. And he's made that promise to us. And I believe that God has that same plan, that same purpose for you and for me and for Mountain View Baptist Church. God wants to protect you and me and us. God wants to bless you and me and us. God wants to, God wants to use us, use you, use me, use Mountain View Baptist Church faith family to be a blessing to others. But first, we have to be willing to follow God, to go forward in faith. Friend, listen, God wants you to do the impossible in your life, and He wants Mountain View Baptist Church to do the impossible. You know what's, you know why people are, are not flooding the church today in attendance? There are several reasons, but one reason is they're not seeing God do anything that only God can do at the church. And how often do I hear people say, well, we can't do that, or that can't be done. But when things start being done that only God can do, then you'll see the house, church houses being filled because people are seeing God work and do things that only God can do. And that's what he wants to do in, the life of, in your life and in my life and the life of our, our faith family. Therefore, we have to make a choice today. To be spiritually content, to be content where we are now, spiritually, to stay where we are, or to go forward, to be willing to take a step, to go forward in our worship. In worship. Have you worshiped this morning? Have you, could you honestly, truly say, not you've been to church, but have you been to worship? Have you truly worshipped God this morning? God says, listen, you're either going to be satisfied where you are spiritually, stay where you are, or are you going to be willing to step forward in faith in worship and do the impossible? So therefore today we want to look at Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25, although we're not going to get to all those verses. We may pick up some next week. As God brings a challenge to you, to me, to us, to go forward in our faith, in our worship. First of all, what does that mean, Brother Sammy? How can I take a step forward in my worship? How can I do that? First of all, notice that we have access to God by drawing near. Now, if you're taking notes, point one is... I now have access to God by drawing near to Him. Okay? Jot that down. I'd recommend you do that. Jot that down. Spiritual, listen, spiritual wealth is something amazing to have. To be wealthy spiritual is an amazing thing. To have eternal life and forgiveness of sin and grace and mercy. And the list goes on and on. To have the love of God. All of that is great. It's amazing to have spiritual wealth, but it's not necess- spiritual wealth is not necessarily something that you have. 
like eternal life, forgiveness, heaven, grace, mercy. But spiritual wealth is also knowing what you have and appropriating it. It's knowing what you have and using it. That is part of being wealthy spiritually. Knowing what you have. Notice verse 19. Having. Here's what you have. And so what you have, you need to use what you have. So spiritual wealth are these things that I mentioned, but it's also knowing what you have and appropriating it and using it. Therefore, you're going to see two words. First, you have having in verse 19, meaning what he's given us. Look at verse 19. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And then he, he gives another word, let us, in verse 22. He says, let us draw near with a true heart. Verse 23, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. So meaning all of this has to do with he's inviting us to come and appropriate what he's given us. He's given you and me. He's given us an opportunity to worship him. So you need to appropriate that gift that you have. How simple. The point is we ought to be using and enjoying what He's given us, which is worship. Now, the believer today has far greater access to God than the believer had in the Old Testament with Old Testament rituals. How many would come to the Lord's house to offer the rituals that they had to offer to meet with God in the Old Testament? And in the New Testament, I mean, we need to avail ourselves to our access to God that we have because of the blood of Jesus, verse 19 and 20. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. They were offering sacrifices, and they were keeping this law and that law, trying to draw near to God that way. And we have a better access to God, a more, a more, uh, uh, we have this, in Jesus we have, we have greater access to God. Hebrews is reminding us in the past we had rituals. We had the shadows. But in the New Testament, we have Jesus. We have the substance. Old Testament, you had shadows of things to come. In the New Testament, you had the real thing. You have the substance, and that's Jesus. In the Old Testament, God was concealed. In the New Testament, God is revealed through His Son, Jesus Christ. The point is, the worshiper has come to know the Lord by drawing near to Him. However, there's a warning here. The warning is that there's a danger of drawing near, and at the same time, if we're not careful, we'll drift back to the old rituals. This happens in a number of churches. It's all about rituals. I pray that, that God help us not to revert back to dead rituals in worship. Hebrews, the book says, don't drift back, draw near. Draw near. 
Verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with the evil conscience, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The point is the believer needs to press on in his new relationship with God. You have a rela- do you have a relationship with God? Then you need to press on and draw near to Him in worship. Don't fall back into rituals, but press on. Don't go back to, to the ritualism, but He says be bold in verse 19. Go forward, that's what it means. Be bold, go forward, be bold. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You need to take some faith and go forward in your worship. Therefore, there's an invitation for us to worship Him. Verse 19, enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Verse 22, let us draw near. There's your worship invitation. Two invites. Worship. What's that mean? Worship. Over and over again this morning, we've said worship, worship, worship. Worship means worthship. Worth, W-O-R-T-H. Worthship. It involves attributing worth to God. We worship Him because He is worthy of our worship. It's the weight we place on God. W-A-I-G-H-T. The weight. The word also means, worship also means to bow down. To bow down. There's nothing wrong in kneeling down, bowing down to pray. God's convicted me of that. If you're physically able, you need to bow down. Why? You're attributing worship to God Almighty. There's nothing wrong in bowing down when you pray. If you're physically able... You know why? Because you're, you, you're reflecting by, by bowing down on one knee, you're reflecting the worship of God Almighty. For heaven's sakes, don't sit. Maybe at the meal table or in a restaurant, instead of drawing attention away from God to yourself, it would be appropriate. But when you pray to Almighty God... In the Bible, you get prostrate, you kneel down, you get on your face. You're coming before God Almighty. You're coming before a holy God. Nothing wrong in coming to the altar and kneeling, regardless what some people may think. It also, worship also reflects the ancient custom of kissing the earth. You've heard of people going on a trip and coming back and bending down and kissing the ground. Ask Kyle about that. We went to Romania. Kyle came. He was so happy to get out of Romania. He liked Romania. He just missed Phil Campbell. And he came back, and he came off the plane, and he, he, he knelt down, and he kissed the ground when we got back to the States. America meant so much to him, worthy enough to kiss the ground. It's a way of honoring deities. William Canterbury, the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 20s, said this, Worship is the submission of our nature to God. 
have you submitted this morning? Worship, someone has said, is the quickening of the conscience by His holiness. We're going to talk about that. That brings about the second part. The first part's drawing near. The second part, taking that step of faith, drawing near to Him. The second part, we draw near and we take that step in faith because of His holiness. His holiness. We must draw near. We're to, we're to appropriate what's been given to us and we draw near to Him. But secondly, as we draw near, we have to understand the holiness of God. We'll never experience true worship, revival, until we understand and recognize the holiness of God. This choir loft will never be filled, Rachel, until people recognize the holiness of God. The music, Terry, will not raise the rafters until we recognize the holiness of God. That's worship. We'll never experience true worship until we recognize and understand the holiness of God. A.W. Tozer said this, What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Your entire life, he said, revolves around your view of God. I got to thinking about that. My life evolves about what I think about God. It really does. Our youth are gone, but there may be some youth here. And adults, we need this too. What you do, how you act, what you say is a testimony of your fear, your reverence, your respect to a holy God. And when you fail to respect Him, when you fail to uh, reverence Him, when you fail to fear Him, that shows a lack of those toward a holy God. If we had the biblical understanding of God's holiness, our worship would be different on Sunday morning. The Hebrew term for holiness is Kaddish. The Greek term is Hagas. Both means to be set apart. God is holy. God's set apart. He's not like you. He's not like me. He's completely different. He's God. He's holy God. He's set apart, meaning he's not like you, he's not like me. James MacDonald, in his book, Downpour, says that God is more righteous and pure and more piercing and more powerful and more stronger than anything that you could ever imagine. He is holy God. Biblical worship begins with a call to draw near and to have a biblical view of a holy God. No decision. Are we going to church Sunday? You think we're going to stay for worship? What do you think? You want to take a vote to the house? (laughs) You've missed it, my friend. The holiness of God. This morning I pray that each time we draw near to worship, each one of us would recognize the holiness of God. Here's the point. During worship, you're not a spectator. I'm not a spectator. I'm not a judge of a talent contest. Who sings the best, or if the choir does well, or if Brother Sammy 
makes a mistake in vocabulary or any of that. I'm not a judge. You're not a judge. We're not a spectator. But we are worshipers who have the privilege to draw near and worship a holy God. Isaiah chapter 6, real quick. Isaiah chapter 6. You have a worship experience there with Isaiah. And he says in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, he's king. In the year that King Uzziah died, King 50, for 52 years a king died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Isaiah gets a vision of God. He says, I see the Lord. I see the, I see the Lord. I see the pre-incarnate Christ is who he saw. I see the Lord. I see the kuros. I see... All of a sudden, Isaiah is kind of transported to a throne room of God. The throne room of God of the universe. And he sees the Lord. He sees the kuros, the one who has all power and authority and control of everything and everybody. He sees him. The one in charge. He sees the ruler of the universe, not the President of the United States, but the ruler of the universe. He sees the one who puts... Kings in positions of power, and presidents in position of power, and removes them. He sees him, dictators. He sees, he sees the Lord, the ruler of the universe, sitting on a throne, just sitting there, not pacing back and forth, not wringing his hands, not wondering what's going to happen after January the 20th. He knows. He sees the Lord. He's in control. He sees the Lord sitting on a throne. You see, God's not like us. He's holy. Thank God He's still on His throne. He's not dethroned. Don't vote Him out. Don't vote Him in. He's, he's God. So there, there, there's, there's a lesson here that many in our country should be able to, to draw from we just need to go to the throne room from time to time and see who's really in charge of America, and not only America, but the world. Notice his train filled the temple. His train filled the temple. Brides, they have problems with their wedding dress from time to time because their train is too long, and the bridesmaid, one of her duties is to, is to uh, made of honor is to control the, control the train. Let me share it with you. I think Joel has it. But in, uh, this, was in, this was in a downpour. We, we talked this on Sunday night about how to experience true revival. Kyle talked this, did a fantastic job. But this is McDonald's book, and this is what he said about the train, or a train. January the 2nd, 1953, it was the coronation of Queen Elizabeth at Westminster Abbey in London, England. If you've seen the newsreels of that event you know that the train of her robe went all the way down the aisle and out the back door of the church. She had a long train. Man, who does she think she is? The Queen of England? Ah, yeah. Yeah. That's why the symbol of her splendor was over the top. You see, the train represent, represented her splendor. 
and her train, there's a picture in the museum, her train went down the cathedral and out the door. But listen to this. God's train filled the temple. You know what it did? It, it lapped back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. I don't know how the temple was, but back and forth, and it filled the entire temple. That's a symbolic of his splendor, his train filled the temple. My goodness. The length of the train symbolizes splendor. Friend, listen, the reason that worship is so dull for some and so, so drab and so boring for many is you have lost the biblical view of the holiness of God. The reason that singing in the pew is pathetic is because we've lost the holiness of God. Do you know you don't sing about God when you come to church? You sing to God. The reason the choir loft is empty is because we have lost the biblical view of the holiness of God. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, notice, and one cried, these seraphims. Verse 2, look, they took these seraphims. Each one had six wings. I'm not going to get into the symbolism, but I'll tell you this. They didn't want to be seen by God, and they didn't want to look upon God because of His holiness. And they covered everything they could of themselves, and they covered everything they could to prevent them from seeing God. They respected His holiness. There's a caution there. Verse 3, one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Listen, that just didn't happen one time. Holy, holy, holy is a chorus that the seraphims have been singing through the eon years and ages of the earth. My goodness. Chorus is not new. We sang it a few minutes ago. Holy, holy, holy. Then going on throughout the eons of time. Think of all the things they could have sung about God. Love, love, love. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. But no, they sang in chorus. You know how they did that? And you find this a lot in the Old Testament, how God's people worship, how Israel worshiped, going up to Mount Sinai, going up to the temple for temple worship. You had two lines of people. Two, you had the choir. They made two lines, one on one side, the other on the other. And they would sing and refrain. One, and then one would sing, the other one would sing. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And in the Psalms, as you read the Psalms, you'll find these songs, the hymns, were sung this way as people marched to the temple to worship. Holy, holy, holy. Get the picture. Two lines just crying out from the throne of God. One line calling to the other line and refrain, answering, holy, holy, holy. In the Hebrew language, repetition shows force. Last Sunday it was cold, it's like 12 degrees. If I came in, and I did, and I said, man, it's cold today. It's cold. If I came in and said, Brother Mike, it's cold today. If I came in and I said, Brother Mike, it is cold, cold today. Or if I came in and said, Mike, it is code, code, code today. Forceful. 
holy, holy, holy. You see, the point is, in the Scripture, several of God's attributes are, are called out twice. But only this attribute, holy, 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 is used three times and only in this place. God's not saying, I'm holy. God's not saying, I'm holy, holy. God is saying, I'm holy, holy, holy. Now, let me wrap up real quick. God is wanting to do the impossible in your life, my life, our life. Before he does that, we have to take a step forward in our worship. Take a step forward. I don't know what that means for you. Today, you may be here. We have to see him as holy, holy, holy. But God is challenging you, me, and us to go forward in faith and worship. And, I, you know, you may need to take notes. I don't know. You may even need to put away an electronic device. God, help us if we come to the point where we sit in a sanctuary dedicated to God and check emails and tweet and let kids play with games. Look over that child and say, listen, you put that up while we're in God's house. Because if I see them, I'm going to tell them that. So you warn them before I see it. This is God's house. And we've come here to worship a holy God. And that's the only reason we've got to be here. And if we don't want to do that, we don't need to be here. And God help us when we get to that point. And so today, he may be calling you to draw near to him. He's calling you and me and us to recognize his holiness. Our worship will never be energized apart from drawing near and seeing him as holy God. So this morning, the question is, will you commit to Jesus? Would you just say, join with me as a pastor of the church? And say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to go forward in faith in my worship. Like I had to say, Lord, forgive me when I fail to recognize your holiness on, on, when I come into your house. This morning, some of you were lost. The word lost, the horror of that word, lost. Lost. You're without God. You're without a holy God. Today, God may be speaking to you in a voice that's louder than an audible voice. You need to give your heart and life to Him. You need to trust Him. You need to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus for your salvation. And the Lord's saying, hey, you need to do that today. I talk to many people, and they'll tell me, Brother Sammy, I know when I got saved, I felt with all my heart that was the last chance I was going to get. I knew if I didn't get saved that day that I possibly end up in hell real soon. Hey, God's speaking to you. You better move on it. God may be calling you to salvation, may be calling you to salvation, to repentance, calling you to trust Jesus Christ for your salvation. Here's the point. You cannot worship God unless you know God. A lost person's not going to worship God. They don't know God. God's calling Christians to recommit their lives to him in worship, to use their spiritual gifts, their natural abilities,
to worship Him, to serve Him in worship? I don't know. But I know one thing. God wants to use me, you, and us, but we've got to take a step in our worship. And I believe we'll do that. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to open your word and consider a very important subject, worship. Lord, I know you want us to go forward. There, we're just only, The only thing we have to do, Father, is you've spoken to us in regards to different things. We just have to make a little adjustment, not much, to be where you want us. Help us to be willing to do that in our worship today. Lord, to make that adjustment to where we worship you. We come into this place and we see you high and lifted up. And we want to sing to you about what you've done for us. Be with those today who are struggling to make a decision. Let them know, Father, that you love them, you died for them, and you're willing to forgive and to give eternal life to those that put their faith, their trust in you and only you. Other decisions that need to be made, I pray they'll come this morning. For we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.